0: This is 105.9 The Region, and you're listening to Discovery, the radio show for podcasters. Your content, unfiltered. This is Discovery. Hello and welcome to Discovery, highlighting the podcasts of Seneca journalism students. Today, the random murder of a Seneca student recently shook the city and the college.
1: Hello everybody, I'm Alex.
2: And I'm Sarah, and welcome
1: to the Crime Times. A show where we talk about everything and anything to do with crime. Kartik Vazadev was an international student from India and on April 7th in broad daylight he was fatally shot outside of Sherborne station. Kartik was a first year Seneca student in business.
2: He earned his bachelor business administration degree in India and he started a part-time job in the city and he was also here studying marketing management at Seneca College's York campus, which is where we are right now. So
1: it it's a little, you know, closer to home.
2: We and all walk in the same halls. That's why we kind of wanted to hop on this and do this. And we also just wanted to talk a bit about Kartik and who the kind of person he was. We interviewed his brother Parth. We wanted to tell you a bit about what we're
1: talking about, and now we're going to let the interview speak for themselves. Mm-hmm. We will go to his brother, Parth Vasudev now. Just want to highlight that we did do a Zoom call. His brother is in India, so it's not the 100% best thing. There are a little bit of cutouts there. Our first question is,
2: how would you describe your brother? Was he happy in Canada?
3: Yeah, he's really happy. I uh, I can't even... Tell you in words, then uh, I always used to tell him that when you are happy now, your face will glow. He's such an innocent kid. I, I can't even tell you how happy he was with his life. He just bought his new phone with his first paycheck. He, he's very happy.
1: Was he enjoying Seneca and his education experience?
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's really enjoying it. it also he's doing assignments uh, late night mainly he was enjoying his life in Canada
2: what were his career goals?
3: he just want to uh, like have a good lifestyle just roam around travel the world see everything, capture every moment his hobbies photography and videography, he always used to capture everything, like every single thing.
1: Would he send you pictures back home?
3: Yeah, yeah, every day. He even tell me what he was having for breakfast, lunch, dinner, everything. He always used to send mama, papa and uh, mom, my mom, dad, me photos that what he was having, what he, he was wearing, everything.
1: What was the last thing you spoke about
3: uh, He, we uh, uh, that he uh, he talked to my mom that I'm leaving for my job that was the last thing he, talk- he told my mom
2: and how did you find out about the tragic event?
3: I was just shocked I'm still in shock that how can a person just been roaming around? Having a gun in their hand and just killing the people roaming around the scene, killing innocent people. How can someone do that?
1: And we saw the protest that you had outside of his school. Yeah, yeah. How did that go?
3: He's such an innocent. See, thousands of people gathered for him because he's such. He has such a beautiful soul. He had. He's such an innocent child, and I don't. I can't even call him a man. He's a child. He's studying in a fucking college. How can someone just shoot him like that? <sighs> uh, everyone, he's a very loved, he's a very blessed child, loving child. Everyone live, love him. That's I why to... thousands of people gathered for him, for his justice. And even in Canada, uh, at the Nathan Square, I'm not sure I'm pronouncing it the name properly, but thousands of people gathered in Canada also for justice. I am just proud for him, how beautiful soul he had. I I don't, I I just don't, I just want justice for my Kartik, justice for my brother. Mm
1: -hmm. So, how do you feel about that then? how do you feel about the police saying that it was random
3: i don't think it's random act of violence it how you tell me how can someone kill uh, randomly ca- how can someone randomly kill two innocent people just from the, one uh, my, my brother is going for his job and the second person who got killed is buying uh, is uh, is bringing bringing groceries for their home I don't know it's I, we can just give uh, we can just get uh, do guesses what is uh, that why he killed him only police can tell us what is the main, the right thing that why he did he kill him we can just make guesses.
2: We've seen your requests for Justin Trudeau to do more about gun violence in Canada
3: like how can someone just have a gun in their hand? kill an innocent child in the subway station like how just need the answer how why he killed him
1: is there anything you would like to say to seneca or the city of toronto
3: yeah i just want we can't bring him back Uh, so i just want we can get only uh, justice for him i just want justice for my brother that's why I won't
2: what is the one thing you want everyone to know about your brother
3: uh, uh, he's just I just want to tell you just he that he's a very innocent boy like I, he's a very loving he always everyone loves him like I can't even tell you people the just can't even make, like express in words how beautiful soul he had. Such an amazing person. I love my brother.
1: We we want to offer our condolences. Um, it was extremely tragic what happened to your brother. It was not right. And we are sorry mm. that Toronto and Canada uh, was, mm. was ever reflected to you in this way.
3: I always used to ask him that, Uh, Did you really want to go to Canada? He always used to tell me that, yes, yes, but uh, Canada is a very safe country and it comes in the number one or two countries to live in, to have a better lifestyle. So what was he hoping to do in Canada? Was it to get a better lifestyle? Yeah, to like, uh, to roam around there, travel. He wanted to go to Banff also. He just loved to travel. Mm -hmm.
2: Okay, well, we just want to pass on our condolences one more time to you and your family. And we hope that you can heal from this terrible
1: tragedy. We also really appreciate you talking to us as well and giving us your time. We also interviewed our president of Seneca, David Agnew, who was a pleasure to speak to. So we wanted to thank you so much, Mr. Agnew, or President Agnew, for joining us today and allowing us to interview you about this uh, pretty tragic incident that happened. Mm -hmm. Very tragic. Extremely tragic. We wanted to know how does a tragic passing like Kartik Vazadu impact the culture of the school?
0: I don't know that it affects the culture of the school. I think in a sense, it it sometimes, you know, one way of thinking about it is, it, is how it reflects the culture of the school. Um, I was really struck by the way, obviously, Kartik was from India, and we have a lot of students from India, and we have a lot of international students. And I was struck by how the, the community really um, pulled together to support each other, to send their... Their, you know, their thoughts, their prayers, their love to the family affected. Um, to organize events so they could come together and 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 remember him and and share their grief and work through, you know, these sort of incomprehensible questions about why this could have uh, happened and how it could have happened. So I, you know, I think, it, I mean, it's it's not, uh, this is not the death. It's it's incredibly tragic, but I think it actually showed something um very very positive about the culture of a school and the students who who are here that they're very caring um they support each other and they they're you know they they come together when when something either very bad or very good happens and in this case of course something very very bad happens
2: being you are president how has Kartik's passing affected you personally?
0: Well, I mean, sadly, president, I mean, I, 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 you know, I'm, I've been here for 13 years. We're a huge community. We have tens of thousands of students, thousands of employees and, you know, bad things and sad things happen every year. I mean, it's, 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 you know, there's kind of like a, a, an odds thing, right? We're just, we're, we're that big and and things are think bad things are happening. And I, I, you know, I, I said, I actually said that at uh, yesterday's memorial service that I'm ashamed this happened. I'm ashamed as a Canadian, but I'm also ashamed as president of Seneca. Um, I mean, it, it you know, didn't happen on our property. He was downtown and going to work. But I've just, you know, his, his. I mean, he came here with such dreams, his parents uh, who supporting him had such a, and it just, you know, I just, I feel we've let, I, I feel we've let them down and I feel, you know, I've let them down and I, I feel very, I feel bad about that and, uh, and quite powerful in some ways. I mean, I'm, I am, I mean, I'm not going to go all political, but I'm, you know, I'm very frustrated that, that, that we continue to tolerate a gun culture in this country. Um, interesting, if you don't mind me just telling a little story, I, I was, um, had some visitors from America this this week from New York. They expressed shock that this happened because their view was, well, but Canada doesn't have a gun problem. Well, yeah, we do have a gun problem. We have a million legal re- registered handguns in this country, a million for a country of 36 million people. Why, why, why does someone have a handgun? It's not for, you know, pardon me, but it's not for a good purpose. And I don't understand why they're outside the hands of, of, of police and, and law enforcement. I, I just don't understand that. So I, I, you know, again, I'm, I'm going on, but I just, I, I feel very badly and, and very frustrated by the situation.
1: Trust me, we appreciate the, the longer answers, but you did mention the service. How did the vigil and the service go? Well,
0: I think they were, I think they were very nice in the sense that, you know, as I say, they, they, they gave, uh, an opportunity for students and and faculty, uh, members, of the employees of Seneca, um, students from other institutions, members of the of the Indo-Canadian community, and others to come together to to pay their respects, to you know send a message, particularly to his parents and his brother and his his you know extended family and friends back in India that that his his death was you know, saddened us all that you know it doesn't matter how you know random or or bewildering it was, it was it was completely tragic and and we feel his loss. And we feel his loss, even those of us who didn't know him because you know, by all accounts, he was a really nice guy. I mean, he was, you know 21. he was he was bright. He um, arrived here in January, already had a job was was a good student in India here. So it, you know, there's just there's you know, just full of tragedy. But I thought it was I thought it was very nice. There were the the vigil was down at uh, Nathan Phillips Square on Sunday, you know, a beautiful sunny day. Lots of people came and it was a it was it was very nice. We had the consul general there to say a few words, the consul general from India. And then the Uh, memorial service was out uh, closer to uh, you know sort of the heart of the Indo-Canadian community in Brampton uh, but it was also online so it gave an opportunity for a lot of people to attend and and I think that was very nice and some very nice remarks from people.
2: That was that was a very great answer personally we both wanted to be there but we were both stuck at work so it was it's great to hear how actually amazing it went. Our last question is: Is there anything you'd like to say to Kartik's family and friends back in India, or anything to um, the students of Seneca?
0: Well, I said I said yesterday. I spoke at the I spoke at both events, but I spoke uh, at the memorial service yesterday, and and I said I I directed my remarks directly to his parents. I mean, I'm a parent, and, and uh, you know I I can't I can't pretend I feel their pain. Um, but i certainly am completely empathetic to how grievous their pain must be. And I said, you know, he's the son that we all want. I mean, and, and I'm just, again, I'm, I'm not just terribly sorry, but I'm, I'm deeply ashamed that this happened in this country. Um, and I say that, and, and really, this is a message for, this is a safe city, and this is a safe country by any standard. I mean, people, you know have a have a have a right to expect that when the, when they you know send their children here or when they raise their children here um you know this is not this isn't something that's you know an international or a domestic this is an everybody issue and we, you know we we now uh, you know obviously justice has to run its course but by all accounts from the police this was a completely random act that it was you know that awful phrase wrong place wrong time uh, some poor soul, two days later, um was was you know again senselessly murdered and on the you know running errands on the way home, you know by the by the description of the police, it wasn't even evident that there was a it was just it was I mean completely <laughs> bewildering. I mean it, you know how can you make sense of a senseless act? But it is rare. I mean this is you know I, I mean I have been president of of. Uh, seneca for almost 13 years now and and you know this is a very rare occurrence in 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 our city uh in our province in our country and and so uh yes it's a big city there are bad people in big cities and small cities i have to say in small towns but there are you have to you know be vigilant you know stay stay alert don't take anything for granted. I mean, these are basic lessons we all try to raise our children with, and uh, and that certainly applies to to everybody, uh, no matter what your age is. And so, you know, stay safe, but but don't let the bad guys win. Don't don't let you know the 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 mad acts of a handful of people across the the span of time cow us and and keep us for, from enjoying a full and rich life. And so. That's what I guess. That's what I would say to 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 our students. And absolutely, remember, um, be angry. I mean, that's okay about this because there are things that make me very angry about this. Um, but but um, but also. Uh, you know, most of you are very young. You've got great life ahead of you and and you also have to enjoy it.
1: We wanted to thank you so much, President Agnew, for joining us today and giving us your very thoughtful answers. I'm actually getting choked up a little bit myself here, but yeah, this was very sad and we understand how it it must have impacted you a little bit and we are sorry about that as well but thank you so much for joining us and giving us these answers. We felt it was very important to interview you as well.
2: So as we know,
1: the police charged
2: Richard Jonathan Edwin.
1: Yeah, he's been charged with two counts of first degree murder. And thank you guys so much for joining us. Thank you. Yeah, bye guys.
4: Bye.
0: Next, an actor who staged his own inspiring story.
4: I was told I would get the role if I was able to lose some weight. And that was something that I accepted and understood to be fact. That's the language in our industry. And recognize the fact that like, if I was working any other job, if my boss had told me to lose weight, that's that's like a human rights issue, right?
5: Welcome to the stage. I'm Melanie Pledgy. The voice you just heard is Greg Carruthers. He has been a professional actor and choreographer for 10 years. During his time on stage, he saw a lack of diversity and recognition in the performing arts and made it his mission to break down stigmas and fat phobia in art spaces by developing a visibility project in 2020 titled Everybody on Stage. The Everybody on Stage mission statement is that they aim to break down stigma and fat phobia in the arts. Their goal is to reduce the harm done by body dysmorphia and disordered eating on the long-term health of artists and to encourage the positive representation of all body types on stage. As they fight for representation, they will actively seek voices that are underrepresented because of race, ancestry, place of origin, ethnicity, citizenship, creed, disability, sex, sexual orientation, gender identity, age, marital status, and or family status. As a huge proponent of therapy, the initiative was formed. Carruthers found that he had spent decades hating himself and his image, which did not benefit his personal or professional life.
4: So everybody on stage is an advocacy group that advocates for body diversity in our art spaces. Plus those performers weren't being considered for leading roles. Of love and in, love interests and featured in dance ensembles because the theater world has a very strict rigid view of what a performer looks like, like often when you go to dance calls they'll be looking for athletic builds and that sort of stuff where it's exclusionary without actually saying the words so we advocate for body diversity in our art spaces to help mitigate the long-term health effects on performers struggling with body dysmorphia and disordered eating
5: In 2014, a study done by the National Library of Medicine found that the overall prevalence of eating disorders in dancers alone was 12%, and that dancers in general had a higher risk of suffering from eating disorders. Recognizing the health risks involved in body shaming in the arts, Carruthers saw his worth and began to see himself in a different light and didn't compare himself to the other dancers in the mirrors at rehearsals, which inspired him to inspire others and empower them. Carruthers highlighted that the industry demonstrates ideas of fat phobia, something that he notes often begins in an internalized place.
4: It's a pillar of our society. It's the last acceptable prejudice.
5: The drive to make the stage a more engaging and diverse art space has reached and inspired several people far and wide. Katie Fudge says that Carruthers inspires her in a number of ways. I was lucky enough to attend a comedy show produced by everybody on stage where all of the incredibly talented performers spoke about fat shaming, discrimination, harassment, missed opportunities that they had all experienced in the performing arts world. And I'm just thinking... This comedy show is such a great way to encourage a conversation about fat phobia and discrimination in the arts. I thought about the impact that the mission of everybody on stage could have on the mental health of young kids in the arts who don't feel like they belong because of their body, their skin color, their gender identity. Greg is truly an inspiration for fighting for representation and providing the world with this platform for visibility. While Carruthers feels inspired by inspiring those in his community and elsewhere, nothing beats inspiring your own family members. Sister Andrea Carruthers feels pride in the work that her brother is doing for the community. Being
6: able to sit in the crowd of a show and actually be able to relate to the character on stage, not just based on their performance, but the way that they look, uh, who they represent, uh, genders, different races, different culture, cultural experiences. It's so important to be able to connect with the character in so many different ways. I can imagine that for a young person, uh, being able to see someone on, on stage that looks like them or talks like them uh, could be so, so important. The work that he does in the community um, and really trying to involve the community in his project is, is just so cool. I truly feel that he has filled the pocket that has been missing in the arts. And I am so excited to see the work that he'll continue to do um, through everybody on stage. And I really, truly hope that he is able to make a change and be able to really shed some light on something that is so, so
5: important. Carruthers' mission has only just begun, and there is no end in sight. He wants to tell aspiring performers not to dim their light, and that...
4: There is, there's a lot of people who will tell you what you need to look like, what you need to sound like, how you need to move. And what you, what you don't understand is that casting people want to hire you. Theater companies want to change. Theater companies are excited by this messaging. So representation matters. And you can be that representation for someone you didn't see when you were a kid.
5: His impact on the community stands true to the everybody on stage mission statement and Carruthers vows to continue to let inspiring others inspire him.
4: It's really empowering for me to empower myself and others to just this is who I am. This is what I do. And there's work for me in this space.
5: This podcast was written and produced by Melanie Pelleggi.
0: Next up, the journey of a woman who went from a self-confessed chubby little girl to professional boxing and finally to a career as a professional boxing ring announcer.
7: Hello and welcome to our Remarkable Person podcast. My name is Tamar Gadonfari. Today, we will hear from Ivetra Raposo, a former professional boxer, the first female professional boxing ring announcer, and public speaker. Her love for boxing started at a young age, but she says that she didn't choose boxing.
8: Actually, boxing chose me.
7: In the beginning, Raposo wanted to work on body image issues through sports, but that turned into a path to realizing inner strength and purpose.
8: Now, initially, that started off to be physical, physically changing my body. And then I was pretty in tuned enough to realize that it actually became an emotional and mental journey just as much as it was physical. So with boxing, what boxing gave me was actually the ability to feel powerful, feel purposeful without overly focusing on how my body looked.
7: She became a professional boxer and spent 22 years of her professional life in the ring. In 2018, Raposo was asked to be a ring announcer. At that time, there weren't any female professional boxing ring announcers. So, just like all of us, when we want to find information about anything, she turned to Google.
8: There was definitely no guidebook or rule or playbook for me to follow. So, you know, the first thing I did was Google how to be a ring announcer.
7: (laughs) Raposo took a storytelling course, voice lessons and improv classes, and used her passion for boxing to prepare for the new role.
8: So I took these classes in terms of just presenting myself on stage beyond what it took to actually be a ring announcer and then other than that it was just learning on the job and really uh, attending a lot of fight shows showing up and observing learning just from as an audience member just really watching the ring announcer and taking notes
7: she also turned to one of her mentors Pierre Bernier for advice one of the things that Bernier said stayed with her to this day
8: the cream always rises to the top and it was just such a very powerful statement um, because what that told me was that I just had to keep, continue doing what I was doing, which was just doing an excellent job. Whatever I did, it was to, my be- to the best of my ability.
7: Brinier, a well-established and longtime ring announcer, sees Raposo as a trendsetter.
6: Yvette is very much a go-getter and she's very, very passionate about
2: boxing. So that's one thing that we have in common.
7: Proposo sees boxing as a form of a storytelling, and she tries to incorporate that in her public speaking to help inspire others to find their inner strength.
8: In boxing, it's very much about the stories you have. Two stories, two people, their lives, everything that they've worked towards and for come down to this one event, to this one moment. And then you have two stories that merge into one story, which is the night of the fight.
7: Her advice for anyone who wants to become a professional boxer or ring announcer is to create an opportunity for themselves in today's world where social media can put the spotlight on everyone.
8: Be very strategic in how you promote yourself, your brand awareness in social media. All of these things count.
7: Thank you for listening. I'm Tamara Gadonfari in Toronto.
0: Thanks for joining us. We'll be back with more podcasts from Seneca Journalism students next week.